The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back. To the boroughs of Berea, <laughs> the Halloween edition. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> that was a pretty good laugh. Yeah. I, I disagree. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy I. Candy Kimsey. Mmm, candy porn. I meant candy corn. <laughs> corn. <laughs> is there such a thing? All corn right. and corn together. Oh. It? It's called Rule 34, right? <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah, Rule 34. If you can think of it, there is porn of it on the internet. That's <laughs> oh, Rule God. 34. That is a bad rule. I think it's Rule 34. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> That's horrible. Jerry the Annihilator <laughs> Lewis. That was great. Hello. By the way, the the suffering episode, Sarita didn't call you name, and then made mention that she didn't call you name, and everybody was so happy that that, that, <laughs> that you didn't have any music before your name. So suck on that one. <laughs> I like the flute. <laughs> you for, do you forgot the ending of that one though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sarita, the Edge Edgerton. Hey, y'all. Thank you for covering those episodes. You did a great job on that. Thanks. That one that came out today was really good. I got a part two to that at some point. Yeah, we need to do that. We definitely need to do that before the end of the year. Behind the glass is Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Meow. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Big Daddy (laughs) Carter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Spooky boy Carter in the house. Yeah. And for our special holiday edition, my wife Holly is in the house. Hello. Thanks for being here, babe. Do you want to be here? (laughs) you can't lie on a, a jesus talk <laughs> we're, well, we're gonna be casting out them demons later i have a joke oh awesome let's hear it did you hear that elton john bought his pet rabbit a treadmill no no it's a little fit bunny <laughs> a little fit bunny i heard one that's kind of bad oh <laughs> Reminder, mine was nice and innocent. Yeah, I better not say it. I better not say it. It was something about boobies. (laughs) 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 It had boo in it. I mean, that's all. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so so this edition, it's going to be a two part. Normally, when we do a holiday edition, it's just one, but this one, there's so much information, we're going to have to cover it across two. So, so two parts, meaning we're going to do part one for the first hour and part two for the next two and a half hours? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Strap in, guys. Oh, man. This he, is, uh, he wrote this in 30 minutes. I did. Uh, I did not. This is, this is a, um, a subject that if you really stop and think about it, 
is a very scary topic. It really is a scary topic. And that is the exorcisms that Jesus performed and the other disciples and Paul performed in the Bible. And so I asked several people throughout the week, I asked several people a couple of interesting questions just to see what their answers would be. Because there's a wide variety of people that go to church or that are around church, and they all have different views on this, right? So I'm going to ask you a question, Billy, and then we're going to go around the room, okay? Okay. This may or may not be simple. Did Jesus believe in demons? Yes. Jerry? Yes. Serena? Believe in like I believe in Jesus? Did Jesus believe in demons, that they existed? Yes. Okay. Andy, obviously, you... I, I, I'd have no idea. I mean, he cast demons out, did he not? Mm-hmm. You would sort of have to believe in them, right? Yeah, that's that's great. That's a great thinking. Um, Ralph? Uh, obviously, he cast a bunch of them out. Um, you know, it's... He, he, Ralph's just he, copying he, off my homework. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Jeez, you looked over his shoulder. <laughs> well, he, he, he claimed that the exorcism were both the spearhead of his defeat of Satan and in themselves an important aspect of the realization of the kingdom of God. So to say that he didn't would be ridiculous. Yeah. Rick? Did Jesus believe in demons? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. That's an honest answer. I like that. Based on the fact that in every situation, did he know that it was a demon that was tormenting them? As a reader, we know because the authors told us that it was. Mm-hmm. But did he know going up to that person that it wasn't just a person acting out or being unruly or being in such a, a dramatic fashion? Did he know that it was something different for them? Well, he would have known when he cast them out. Well, I mean, it based on the author's authenticity of the of the of the chapter, the writing at the moment, we have the foreknowledge knowing that the man or the person is affected by a demon ahead of the time before it even happens. What does Jesus know getting up to that point? Well, and and maybe nothing until the point that people have brought him there, but at the point he cast out the demon, I would say that he knew. I, I'm not saying that he didn't have the authority or the power or the understanding to know that all in advance, but I'm I'm just asking question: Did he know or not? I mean, did he have to evaluate? Yeah, it? because the question I asked sounds really simple, right? Did he believe in demons? I mean, it seems I, like it'd be a very simple right, but he cast them out. Well, let's ask so Holly. That would, yeah, Holly. I think that he believed that they existed, but to believe in them. Yeah, like I, don't, I don't mean like putting his trust and faith in anything. Right. I just mean, did he actually believe that they existed? I think so, yes. Yeah. Rick, what do you think? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I definitely think he did. But but also, you know, and I'll point out later in the study that the Gospel of John never really mentions demonic exorcisms. Well, I know that we, because we have, there's a prevalence of movies and literature, and, and we have the privilege of reading these Gospels. Mm-hmm. On the 2020, you know, yeah. hindsight is 2020. But there were Jewish exorcists, there were. and there were demons being cast out long before well, Jesus ever took a breath mm-hmm. on this earth. So You're exactly right, there were. I mean, it was actually they they rivaled what we would call the Catholic exorcists, the Jewish exorcists and rivaled first. the Catholic exorcists. Yeah, before that. Well, the the so. in, some of the interesting that we'll I guess we'll get into is that 
the Jesus, at best of my knowledge at this moment, Jesus never identified any demon by their name ahead of time. No. No, he asked one of them for their name. Asked them for their name. He didn't ask them. He didn't say or speak their name ahead of time Mm -hmm. as though he knew them there. I I just want to say that it seems pretty obvious to me, slightly divorced, that in the Bible, they are frequently talking about depression and uh, mental health issues and stuff like that. It is not clear to me that they understand that they are talking about depression and mental health issues. But that is obviously a thing that is happening. That's what I hoped that you would say. I'm so glad you said it because a lot of people said that to me. Teacher's pet. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, a lot of people said that to me like, hey, to me, it sounds like Jesus was dealing with people that had mental illnesses on the spectrum. Schizophrenia. Legion could have been a schizophrenic. Um, Dealing with, with those that were that had fits of like throwing themselves in water and fire that were self destructive. The man right? in Capernaum was pretty bad. Yeah, well, he could break chains. Yeah, well, the, in Gadara, the, the maniac of Gadara. Yeah, he was breaking chains and stuff. And you've seen people that you know they get their hormones get out of whack and stuff. And so. My point that yeah, I want to bring crazy. up is, is that <laughs> you better back up, Jack. <laughs> what? Watch this. Some of us have pal. menopausal hormones that oh, are out of whack right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of her. <laughs> <laughs> if my head starts spinning around, the name just of Jesus. Going. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Ralph, you got any holy water left over from those old Catholic days? <laughs> so, stockpile. But they knew the other part that I was going to add is they knew exactly who he was. That's Yes, exactly. So, in the Bible, makes it very clear they're very aware of him and that he has authority. Yes. They know that. So, even if they were schizophrenic or had mental illness, when they talked to him, that when they saw him, something about him made them say, "Oh yeah, are you here? You're you're the Holy One of God. Why are you here? Are, are you here to judge us? Things like that, right? Yeah. So, which it could have be that most cases, anytime he ever did something up until that point, he was trying to keep everything quiet. Mm-hmm. Now, he could have known who they were and could have maybe, if he would have spoken any more about them, he would have maybe revealed himself to be who he was, Mm -hmm. except for he handled it, every situation in a different manner than what we would have expected. Mm -hmm. But they were the one that outbursted to who he was to reevaluate. To which he would command them to be quiet. Exactly. And and it's interesting that even though you'll bring up in the part of the session where they're def- identifying who he is, yep. nobody else even seemed to catch on to it. Nobody knew well, except and, them. And the one that said who he was, they didn't say he was a, who he was as a person. He said he's legion, which is basically all of the, the ones that were all the demons there because there were many demons mm-hmm. there and they wanted to be cast out. So well, that one actually, there was a conversation. Yep. Well, the, the part where they were identifying who Christ was. They were identifying who he was of the Holy right, One. Right, but when you said earlier that he, Christ only asked one of them, they, yep. they, they, he said legion, yeah. meaning yes. all of us that are here. And then, you know, there was a conversation where in some of the other ones, there wasn't such a long conversation. Yeah. And well, a lot of this is stuff that comes, it's actually stuff that's in the Bible. So you're, it's kind of, I mean, it's, I, I'm not no, saying anything. I'm not you're saying fine. anything bad about what you believe or don't believe. Okay. Because sometimes on here I say I don't really buy into that. But I mean, it is. It is written in, I mean, I've read all the places in here. It is written in here enough times that even though it's not uh, in John, it's it, it's written in here. So, you know, there's a, there's You're right. a modicum 100%. of truth in it. 100%. Well, here's the thing. If I you mean, don't, we, if you, you... Believe it or you don't. If you're going to believe the Bible, if you think the Bible was directly inspired and given oh, by now God... now he's quoting his notes. <laughs> but if you believe it... Yeah. 
then you've got to believe it all. You, you can't yeah, yeah. just pick and choose. You have to believe it all. Well, yes and no. Or don't. Yes and no. Yes and no, because you say that a lot, but there's different interpretations. And so, like, when I say I don't believe in hell, yeah, the way that people describe it, well, I don't. Okay. But that's my interpretation of I have a different interpretation as to what I think hell would be. Right. So, uh, I think everybody is legit to have their own definition so long as they believe in the Bible in spirit and then say, hey, I have a problem with this, this, and this, you know. Well, if you did that, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, and that has to be true because we have so many different sects within the Christian faith. Precisely. For all different inter- interpretations. Yes. But I would say that primarily all of them agreed, at least in the first century during Jesus' time, that there were demons. Yes, 100%. Yes. Some churches today believe that demons are gone. Some churches believe that demons are still very much effective. There are people that live right here in Hendersonville that actually are exorcists. That's what they do. It's wild, man. So there's people all over the spectrum here. But they never met a demon not outside of a hu- or a, out of a fleshly thing. Right. They were all within within a human being. Within a human being. Right. They weren't free floating. They weren't Ghostbusters <laughs> crossing streams. Right. <laughs> so let's get into this. So in the Gospel of Mark, the author comes out swinging against the demonic forces that afflicted um, the people of Israel, right? So Jesus knows how to handle this unclean spirit immediately. I mean, I'm talking chapter one, bam, we're immediately faced with these demons by the time you get to verse 21 of chapter one, okay? So he speaks to it with authority. And if you'll notice, the author states that the people of Capernaum are astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority. So we see that not only does Jesus have an authoritative position within the scriptures or with the scriptures, but he also speaks authoritatively to the demons. So let's take a look at the very first chapter of Mark's gospel. Um, Sarita, do you mind reading Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 34? Sure. And then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, although I didn't put this in the notes for you guys, did you notice what the demon said? He used a plural. Us. Yes. He says, uh, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? But but the it's listed as a singular, as an unclean spirit. And so that caught my Pronouns, eye. Pronouns, am I right? Right. But, when, <laughs> but the reality here is that he says, the demon says us as if it's more than one. 
right? Or he's talking about, generally speaking, all the people around him, perhaps. What I do you have to maybe, do with us? I think he maybe was well, curious because seemingly this wasn't an odd occurrence. Mm-hmm. It didn't say that everybody ran screaming from the synagogue that there was this man with unclean spirit. He seems Perfect. to be a regular occurrence. Maybe yes. he was like the lame man who laid by the Salome bath, or maybe he was like the leper people who lived out in the colony. Yep. You just, they were there. They so were always there. So they're not observing there. a demon at first. They're not observing one. But Jesus senses who but when they is. start when they start coming out and he tells them to be quiet, then he pulls the unclean spirit out. Now things are going to change. The scene's changing all, all of right. a sudden. Can, can we just stop? And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not the scribes. And immediately. Mm-hmm. So he gets finished teaching, and it must have been some kind of sermon. Yep. He wasn't just reading from the scroll. He was telling them what it was and how to apply it to their lives. I'm just yep. I'm thinking of the best possible Southern Baptist preacher I can think of, like, who's giving you, like, a meat sermon. I'd, I'd like to ask Mark, why didn't you write that down? Yeah. Why didn't I, you write that part down? So, and just when he got done, and they were all marveling at who he was— and what he was doing, in comes the demon. Yeah. That'd be a, as a distraction. That'd be a scoffer, to me, wouldn't it? It seems like a mm-hmm. distraction. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. To distract from what he's just taught them, to me, that's what it seems. Maybe that's just, I'm reading no, too much I, into no, it. No, I don't think so at all. I think you're right. I no, think the that, better we get at things, the more the devil's after well, us. But he's telling, the, he's telling the people, whatever it was, this magnanimous sermon that he does, and then suddenly this man just blurts out in the middle of it. Now, maybe people were shocked by that. Have you ever been in a crowd and somebody just acts a little bit out and get uncomfortable by that? You. I get uncomfortable when people oh act out God. in public. I can't watch Ben Stiller movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the awkwardness of things. Right. I can't watch it. And if I'm like if I'm in a public place and then I see somebody get mad about their food and they start acting out towards it's the cashier, oh, I get so very cringe. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, it's cringeworthy. And so this probably was a cringeworthy moment, but they didn't think, oh, this is a demon. Jesus immediately knows because they call him out as the Holy One of God. He knows now, what's going I'm, on, I'm right? I'm curious when he said us, or is that could that have been there were more Well, that's what I was infected. thinking. So been basically infected there yep. that weren't speaking up, right? And do you got one that said, "Well, what are you doing about us?" Yeah. So is the us other demons, okay. or is the us just okay, the people so in the synagogue? To be that guy again, I would love to know what is it Roman, the original language, because pronouns are one of those things Greek. that changes. Greek pronouns are one of those things that change a lot with sure. language, like meaningfully and big time. That yep. us could just. That could be the way, that could be a direct translation where they would just say us, yep. where we would say I. Yep. And it could be that simple. And it could be. And that's why it just hit me. It wasn't in the notes. It just kind of hit me all of a sudden. I was like, wait a minute. He says us instead of, what do you have to do with me? But he, I think he's standing in a crowd and he's speaking for the crowd in his mind. And that's it what it feels like. Sabbath. And it was on the Sabbath. And Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, right? So, so to me, the striking thing is- then he comes back and says, I know- who you are. Not we know who you are right. because they didn't. Right. He did. Yep. I know who you are. Yeah. And tells him who he is. And then it goes on to say the spirit convulsing and crying out came out. Mm-hmm. So he must have been referring to the entire congregation. Well, yeah. in, in, in all of the, the these when he's speaking with the demon, when the demon's talking plural, there's one demon speaking. 
You know what I'm saying? Because you'll say us or a legion, yeah, but well, there was like one legion speaking. Was, yeah, there no, wasn't 10,000 or 3,000 mm-hmm. speaking out at once. It was just, right. just yeah. one. And I'll get into the reason why I think that happens here okay. in just a little while. So the striking thing is how this gospel immediately, to me, expects the audience who's reading it to understand the nature of demons and the power they possess, especially over what comes out of the mouth of the human being you know, that's hosting this demon. At least that's what I think. And the other side to this is that the gospel could be introducing this concept to the readers of his time. We just don't know. But I wasn't sure. And so I decided to dig deeper into other writings of the first century to see if this was a common understanding of demons. And I say that because the Bible doesn't really tell you. You go to the Old Testament and then you come out of the Old Testament and go into the new and it's like, boom, all of a sudden these disembodied spirits are everywhere. So what happened? Like, what's going on? The 400 years of silence in that time period, by the time you get to the first century, what are these people thinking, right? So let's look at a pseudepigraphal work called the Book of Enoch. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that we've mentioned this book as being part of the Ethiopian Church's canonical books of their Bible. Uh, and it is also included in the Eritrean Church's canon as well. And if you don't know what Eritrean is, it's Eritrea as a country in Eastern Africa. So these two nations in Africa, or countries in Africa, have the Book of Enoch in their Bible. And this book is actually quoted in the Book of Jude in our Bible, and it is also referenced in First Peter. So although this book is not considered part of the canon for the churches here in America and other places in the world, besides just the two countries I just mentioned, we can at least understand that Jude knew the book— so well that he could quote it verbatim and that it remains in our own Bible to this day. And I and I, I mean that Jude quoted the book of Enoch and it's in our Bible and we can read it today. So we at least know that much. So within the book of Enoch, you can learn exactly what these demons were and where they came from. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but the book of Enoch does. So who are these demons? They are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim the ones mentioned in Genesis chapter 6. And so Enoch explains it. Uh, Ralph, do you mind to read uh, that portion of Enoch? And now the giants who are produced from the spirits, angels, and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are both born from men and from the holy watchers, and from the holy watches is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food, but nonetheless hunger and thirst, and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. From the days of slaughter and destruction of death of the giants, from the souls of whose flesh the spirits have gone forth, shall destroy without incurring judgment. Right. So they were hangry and needed a Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't help them. They ate the Snickers, but it didn't help. Well, it, did, it says they don't eat. Yeah. Isn't it funny so how she hungry. said that? And we all understand what she was talking about. Yeah. Just yeah. like the people were reading this back in those times and they yeah. understood there what you it go. meant. And so uh, from a book uh, that's quoted relevance. by the Bible, yep, we learn who these demons are. But so just to help the listeners who may not have heard some of our past studies, I'd like to give some insight into other writings from that time period and explain their differences. So this is just going to be a quick refresher on the Tanakh, the Apocrypha, and the Pseudepigrapha. 
And so I found this blurb on Seferia.org. Uh, the Tanakh, or the Hebrew Bible, consists of a collection of writings dating from approximately the 13th through the 3rd centuries BCE. These books were included in the Jewish canon by the Talmudic sages at, Yon, at Yavna around the end of the 1st century CE, after the destruction of the Second Temple. However, there are many other Jewish writings from the Second Temple period that were excluded from the Tanakh. These are known as the Apocrypha and the Pseudepigrapha. And the Apocrypha, which in Greek means hidden books, are Jewish books from that period not preserved in the Tanakh, but included in the Latin Vulgate and Greek Septuagint Old Testaments. The Apocrypha are still regarded as part of the canon of the Roman Catholic and Orthodox churches, and as such, their number is fixed. The term pseudepigrapha, which in Greek means falsely attributed, or basically falsely titled or given a name to, was given to Jewish writings of the same period, which were attributed to authors who did not actually write them. This was widespread in Greco-Roman antiquity, in Jewish, Christian, and pagan circles alike. Books were attributed to pagan authors and names drawn from the repertoire of biblical personalities such as Adam, Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Ezekiel, Baruch, and Jeremiah. The pseudepigrapha re resembles the apocrypha in general character, yet were not included in the Bible, apocrypha, or in the rabbinic literature. So, all the apocrypha and most of the pseudepigrapha are Jewish works— some contain Christianizing additions, and they provide essential evidence of Jewish literature and thought during the period between the end of biblical writing, circa 400 BCE, and that is the Old Testament writing, and the beginning of substantial rabbinic literature in the latter part of the first century CE. They have aroused much scholarly interest since they provide information about Judaism at the turn of the era between the Bible and the Mishnah, or what's called the biblical law and oral law, and help explain how rabbinic Judaism and Christianity came into being. So, now that we know that these other writings were floating around in the time period of Jesus and his disciples, and some of them describe demons or unclean spirits, those who read and believe the Bible to be absolutely true and is God's words must believe that these entities were real and did exactly what it says that they did. So who were they and what, where did they come from? Were, so, they the, were they the fallen angels? Who, or were they? Well, who, I mean, that's what you just read. If you want to trust Enoch, and most people probably won't in the church unless they are Orthodox or Catholic— and even then, that's a pseudepigraphal writing. They don't accept it. The book of Enoch is one of those books written in the time period that was quoted by Jude in the Bible. And he knew of the watchers and of these fallen angels and the ones that would be destroyed. So the idea here is that these disembodied spirits from the watchers that mixed with women and had children, when they died, whatever, these spirits would just be out. They were chaotic, and then they would be able to go into or possess a person. So that comes from the book of Enoch, but it seems like the people of the time, including the disciples, believed that too. That's what that's what it looks and like. Could to me. those same demons still be around today? So if they were the fallen, unless they were killed by Jesus or an exorcist, then they could still be around today possessing other people. There are some people that believe that demons, even from way back then, are still around. And there are some people that believe that all of the demons were destroyed at the end of the age. So there's there's a mix, right? So that's interpretation. At the end of the age, are you talking AD 70 or what are you talking? The end, when the, when the temple was destroyed and the second coming occurred, that would have been a full preterist approach. They believe that the 70 
nations that had a God over each nation, which was basically the demon that was over them, that they were destroyed, that Christ destroyed them all. But we're left with the depravity of man. So that's one view. You have other views where people believe that there are demons very much going around and possessing people. Um, I know I know you, Sarita, have told me that there have been exorcisms that are recorded, you know, that there's people that, you know, believe that it happens. So I believe well, it's a, just... I believe it's a mix. I think the problem is, is as humans, we don't know which ones are real exorcisms and which ones are people that Yeah, are and consider what Andy said. Like think about the mental illness aspect right. of this. Yeah, there's got to, I would say most of them are people that have something wrong with their head, but there are exorcisms that are real. There are demons uh, there. It's just as people, how do we know which is which? Well, there you go. Again, that's interpretive, right? Exactly. But I think what we're all agreeing on is that in some way, shape, or form, not Andy necessarily, but that the Bible at least teaches that demons existed. Yeah, I think it's true. And like like Sarita said, at the further back you go, the more common it is. But if you go back in the Old Testament or the Tanakh and further back, you also get more people animating the dead and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. that is straight up just witchcraft and stuff like that. Yep. And that's this well, sort of stuff like filters out of of religion over time. I don't know why. It's that's the that's the plot. Mm-hmm. It's just like Lord of the Rings, magic leaves the world over time. And that's the plot of the Bible to well, a certain extent. Like certain elements, not all elements, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well but, just because it's not happening around you, around us, maybe. Um right, but doesn't I mean, mean it's not happening around the world. I mean you hear stories. Even that still speaks to amount. Right. Right. But that was the center of religiosity, mm-hmm. was the Jewish world at that time. Mm-hmm. So there would be no reason for demons to, say, attack the temple of Athena, because mm-hmm. that was not godly. The only reason they have to attack any sort of religion is because it is against the one true God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you hear stories. You know, missionaries tell stories all the time of times when they were supernaturally protected and the people who were attacking them saw demons or Mm -hmm. saw beings that they could not explain protecting and floating and and all kinds of stuff. And take that for what you will. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be some hallucinogenic that they're taking. I don't know. I don't necessarily – I'm kind of a mix, like – I don't necessarily think every mental illness is necessarily a straight-up mental illness. I think some of it can be demonic, and we just aren't sensitive to it. We are so desensitized to everything in America. We just don't care. Were you going to say something, Billy? Yeah, could you say that uh, maybe if you were possessed by a demon, you could say that it's cured by prayer, where mental illness has to be therapy or medication? Like, if you get rid of a demon, um, he's not going to come back, correct? I'm going to put a foot out here and say that mental illness could probably be cured by prayer. Just but, just one time, but though? Not one time, no. I but, mean, but if, but, but if, you have, and, like, if you have a community of people that is there and helping you, okay, that is, that is super powerful for mental health reasons. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I, I, I'm just saying, I don't think it's so clear cut because genuine mental health can just be, I don't know about cured, but yeah. really be helped by 
people that are showing up for you. And a if you have a bunch of people group. praying for you, it's probably an indicator that you have a reasonable amount of people that are ready to show up for you. Oh, I, and I, that you're going to do good. I agree with that a hundred percent. What you, what you believe in your mind. Cause you can, they've, well, they've yeah, been, there's that too. That's also true. Yeah. yeah. You have people around you that, that they're helping you. And then you believe that, Hey, that there are people here that help me and that I am okay. And it's just like, you know, taking an sure. aspirin instead of a pain pill during the war. Placebo. Absolutely. Oh my God. How often do, do placebos, are they effective? Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember, but it's more than they should be. Yeah, but I mean, I see where you where that question comes along, Billy, because that's I think that's the rub for us in our modern society is because we see it, we understand it, we don't fully understand it, but we're, we're at least recognizing it. The mental health uh, industry, um, if that's what you call it, um, in my opinion. Um, it's struggling. It's been struggling, you know, for a long time. It's people don't really know really know what to do with it, you know. Like in the school system, for example, it's complicated, it's, and a lot of people are failing. Yes, exactly. Um, but you don't hear of the Bible doesn't describe schizophrenia or depression or rage or you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and you, there wasn't a follow up with the dude, right? You know, like we didn't get another story like he. Become, How are you doing? Yeah, well, exactly. he, 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 he he was told to go out and where are uh, they now? Uh, exactly. Yeah, he's hanging out with Lazarus. No, he he, <laughs> he he actually was sent out on a mission. Yeah, that's just one though. Right, that's this just one true. of the numerous ones that um, he cast the demons out of. So I mean, you got one follow up. Yeah. So yeah, there is an interesting way, I guess. Uh, when we look at it, it's hard to look at it with a modern view. Well, how much is be mental in Mental illness today that we declarify mental illness is nothing but just attention-seeking behaviors. Yeah, we have. There's that, and then there are so some real mental illnesses, you know, that it's difficult to deal with. Well, absolutely. I worked with somebody that was diagnosed um, with paranoid schizophrenia, and it was evident when he went off his medication. It was so evident, and I felt bad for the guy because he was terrified of the Domino's pizza delivery guy. He just thought. This guy is going to come to my house and kill me. I know he is, and I know it. And I'm like, no, he's not. He just, you know, but you can't explain that to them because they can't see it any other way. See, I have the opposite of whatever that was. Oh, yeah? No, I'm just, real excited think, when I see the oh, Domino's delivery oh, guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, really I'm thinking I wish I was Halloween and I worked with that guy. I wish that guy would drop <laughs> off that pizza here, yeah. even though I didn't but pay for one. It was the Noid, the Noid guy, right? What, yeah. What was his oh, name? Yeah. The Noid. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Noid, yeah. He's the anti-delivery. The the yeah, exactly. So, all right. So the Bible says what it says. Okay, it just it says what it says. So, the the thing that we noticed in that first chapter right out of the way is that Jesus had authority, right? So, but and they knew who Jesus was. They knew exactly who he was and what was supposed to happen to them when he finally arrived here on, in physical form as the Son of God. We'll find that out later. So, although Peter acknowledged who Jesus truly was by calling him you know, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and how Martha also called him the Christ. The demons immediately recognized him. And like we said, when you heard Sarita read it, he immediately know, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? So he knew who he was, right? So to write off these stories as Jesus dealing with certain maladies or mental illnesses 
in my opinion, does a serious disservice to the Bible itself, okay? The Bible teaches the existence of these unclean spirits, and our Bible, however, doesn't really get in-depth into where they came from or who they were. Rather, it just teaches that he gave his disciples authority over them, and that some of these demons were so powerful that the disciples could not exercise them, and that Paul could recognize them and had authority to exercise them as well. And it certainly teaches that the demons learn who Paul is and understand he has been given authority over them. There is a strange event in the book of Acts that shows that a man attempted to exercise a demon in the name of Jesus and of Paul, but it backfires on him. So we'll visit that story later, but for now, I want to look deeper into what Jesus believed about the demons. So what did Jesus believe, right? So Jesus believed that spirits could possess men and women and that they could speak from within their human host. And I know it's men and women because Mary Magdalene, he cast out seven demons, it says, right? So he believed, Jesus believed he was talking to demons. The Bible makes it clear. He's talking to demons, right? So you... That would be a good kind of follow-up to your point. Was the seven demons at one time, or was it seven different ones at different times? Yeah, and see, who knows? We don't. I, to go out way, way, way out on a limb, Uh huh. way out on a limb. You think there's any association with the seven deadly sins there? Yeah, there is. is. Okay. Remember, we talked about that in the Mary Magdalene Notes from the Underground. Tiziana oh, that's brought where her I out got that from. and said Pope Gregory you know, made it about Mary Magdalene uh -huh. saying that she was a prostitute and that she was an unsightly kind of woman. Oh yeah. And that, that those it, he seven, changed, he kind of added that. He yeah. added that. And then that the seven deadly sins came from her seven demons. And then uh, he describes okay. them, right? Yeah, so that's, so that I'm was just a Catholic like church thing. In remembering the things I forgot by accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you went way out on a limb on a limb that we went on a limb. That's right. Yeah. So, so right here, all right, we just read from Mark chapter one where he tells the demon to be silent and come out of him. And this caused the man possessed to convulse and scream with a loud voice as the unclean spirit came out of him. And at first we learn that Jesus doesn't allow them to speak or to continue speaking. So let's look at the same account we just read in Mark and the other two synoptic gospels, Matthew and Luke. In all three accounts, Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother in law of a fever. But right after this, he goes on healing people, but it also mentions his exorcisms and how he handled them. So in Luke's account, it says in chapter four, uh, verse 40 through 41, Cherry, do you mind reading that? Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. So in Matthew's account, we learn in chapter 8, verses 16 through 17. Holly, could you read that? That evening they brought him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So by putting all of these together, we get a unique picture of this event. He spoke to some demons by telling them to be silent. Some he exercised with a word. And most importantly, he was fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy regarding the Messiah. So for further reading, you can go to Isaiah 53 to find that specific prophecy. Yes? So what Holly just read... It says, they brought many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. And then it goes on to say, the prophet Isaiah says, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Mm -hmm. Did they just see this demonic possession as being an illness or a disease? Because it's in the very same passage yes. there 
when he when they specific he did, they, it does say he healed them, but it also said at the same time he was casting out spirits while he was healing them, some would just come out, mm-hmm. maybe even involuntarily, like he just did it. One stop shopping. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> did they did I'm they consider here. this an illness, <laughs> a mental illness? Yeah, it's very possible that that the people around them are perceiving what they're seeing as an illness or a disease. It wouldn't be a stretch to assume that sometimes they saw somebody with like leprosy and be like, that guy's got demons. Right. Like, that's oh, not a they, stretch. That absolutely no. happened. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, a, you do that today. If you look at, if you go back and you watch the interviews with Jeffrey Dahmer, it's very difficult not to look at that man and see his eyes and think mm-hmm. there's something in that brain. That, sure Something enough. is taken over mm-hmm. him. Something's missing in that brain. And he, well, and he talks about it, you know, and other serial killers and other people that look like pure evil, they, they have these other voices. The son of Sam said that a dog told him to go kill people, right? Yep. And I yep. think it was BS personally. I think that that dude was BS. However, David Berkowitz, who was the son of Sam, later becomes a Christian and says, "Yes, I was I had a mental illness. It was a problem and I believed that the dog was telling me what these things were doing." He didn't say he was a demon anymore. He said he was sick. He was sick. And then he became a believer after the fact, right? So, man, it's weird. It's hard to figure out exactly what's what here. I have a question. Well, and all through history, I don't think none of us really knows because there have been people like Andy saying that that thought it was uh, mental illness and other people that thought it was, you know, demons. I don't think we, in many cases, really know. Yeah. Through history. What do you think? What would you say, Rick? Well, um, the interesting part was when he said he rebuked them so that not allow them to speak. Was that in essence that they would be, that they would end up in another body? To allow to speak, or did they, could they speak outside of the body, or was he actually rebuking the person not to say anything that happened to them? Yeah, I think that the demon needs the vocal cords of the human to speak. Well, it's all about understanding <laughs> the reference of what he's, who's he rebuking? Is he rebuking the demon because if he's going to go to another person, he can't say about anything about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or is he rebuking the person it, not to say anything? It feels a then? little bit like he's rebuking the person, honestly. It does. It, and yeah. it's also because, you know, like in the case of Legion, which we'll get into here in a little bit, you know, the, the demons want to be cast into another thing. Yes. They want to be put into another host. They don't want to be left disembodied. Yes. So I don't know what's going on here. If Jesus is ripping these demons out and then these things are just floating around because he doesn't burn them up. No. Because that doesn't happen until much, much, much later in the judgment is when they're supposed to burn up, right? So what's happening to those demons when he rips them out? So who's he he telling not to say anything about? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's a... To me, he's talking to the person that got the demon in him, and when the demon comes out, he's no longer concerned with what that person was thinking because now they're in the right mind. Well, is he worried about them saying that they that I know that you're the you are the Christ and that that getting out that way? Yeah. I mean, if you if you had that happen to you, you don't we don't know what their life was like to live in that position. At least in in whatever the depression, whatever the mental illness or whatever you were living with. I mean, the best reference we can see is how it's portrayed in movies. Mm-hmm. Or in say in the chosen, they they showed a a, a person in yep. one of the recent that was possessed. Yep, and you got to see an expression on him when he was relieved and he was healed. Yes. So, is he trying to keep himself down because he's doing something that he he at some points he did want to do was heal certain people, mm-hmm. but yet because he is healing people, his his fame and notoriety is going to blow up. Yeah. 
So, in essence, who is he rebuking in well, those moments? The authors of every gospel make it pretty clear that he's trying to keep the fame down. Yes. Right? And so these demons are bringing notice. Exactly. They're bringing notice. They're bringing out like the big flashing sign hey, here's the guy. But that is because Jesus is going to get into it later. He's going to talk about, he's going to look right at the disciples and he's going to tell them something that it's going to go right over their head. But it's such a critical teaching that later on in life they're going to get. We'll get into that later. Yeah, because okay? it wasn't time yet. It was. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. The timing wasn't right. Right. Exactly. It was about the timing. So I want to skip down here a little bit to Matthew chapter twelve, verse fourteen through fifteen. I, I can I say something real quick. Something that's, that's bothered me all of my life, and, and I and I've studied it, and I still haven't come to terms with this. Is knowing when Jesus knew. So because there's plenty of things that state in there there's plenty of phrases where Jesus wasn't fully may not fully have been aware at a certain point that he was God like did he know at 12 that he was God did he know at 17 did he know at 30 at at what point did he know all of these things were going to happen mm-hmm. did he have the the, the knowledge, because there are many it's, places where it talks that he didn't have it when he was younger. You've got a lot. Of, you have some sects of Christianity that believe that he was fully God all the time, and that his physical body wasn't even a real body, and that when he died, he swooned. And it, like, there's some people that believe that being all God and all man at the same time that he always knew from birth. I don't believe that, and I don't believe that the Bible teaches that. I think the Bible teaches that as he was a child, there were things that he did not know. Exactly. It also makes me think that the family, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she had let these things kind of kind of go down inside her heart, almost like she f- didn't really forget, but it's like she didn't want to think about what was going on, that his brothers and sisters that were around him, that they thought that he was crazy and they were going to get him. There, And then there's a time whenever... It says, and when Jesus knew that he was from God, then he blah, blah, blah. Now, it says that. So, if it says it, why? Right? Exactly. Well, that happens so in when Total did he Recall. Know? How does he know? In Total Recall yeah. by Philip K. Dick, uh, he, he doesn't know that this is who he is. And then, you know, all of a sudden, he's he gets it all. awake and he's like, oh, that's right. I am this person. Yeah. Well, yeah. at... Three years old? Did you know that you were going to be the Ralph that you are at sixty? Yeah, but hang on a second. If it, if 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 he knows that he's God at three years old, he would know. Well, so when he when he so well, that's why I don't of, think that he knew. Well, until there was something his, about him as a baby zygote. Yep. In Mary's tummy. Yep. That caused baby fetus John the Baptist to leap about. It was the Holy Spirit in the, Holy in the Spirit. presence of of Mary. And baby zygote Jesus to use modern. So maybe the spirit and things in him, maybe. But did his conscience? Here, here's a here's a couple verses from Isaiah that will help. Okay. And and I've I've really. I'm sorry to take a left turn. No, you're you're okay. It wouldn't be the burrows if it you would, didn't. It was that's a, right. It's the demons that followed you in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, on on a good note, uh, if we don't take a break till seven thirty, there will be pizza. Oh, that is Ooh. a great note. Aww. That is an amazing note. That's all of my favorite. So, in, in Isaiah seven is where it, Isaiah begins the prophecy of Jesus, and in verses um, fifteen and sixteen of what chapter? Isaiah seven. Okay. Uh, verse 15 said, by the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he will be eating curds and honey. Verse 16 says, and for before the boy knows to reject what is bad and chooses what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. Mm-hmm. And these are two exact verses back to back 
talking about Jesus having to understand yes, and having to learn. And I think that that's definitely what happens. I think that he, I think that when he was 12 years old, that he was, all of the doctors that were at, there at the temple were astonished at what he understood and the questions that he asked. Well, you Ma- know? Matthew kind of, and I, I say, well, to start with these two verses, then Matthew goes in and tells us that there was a time where he grew in knowledge and stature. That's right. Yeah. And and there's a fulfillment of that. I think that kind of fulfills I, that. I, I knew a kid in his 20s that was like the smartest person I'd ever met, and I knew some smart people. And he didn't know how smart he was. Because all he'd ever done was read books. Mm-hmm. And so he had all this knowledge and all this confidence that, that he had this knowledge. And he was just really smart. He just didn't know how smart he was because he thought, well, everybody ought to be this smart. I, I read it in a book. Doesn't everybody read? It, it was to him, it was so it that could always have been the same was. thing. I didn't realize that, how absolutely abnormal right. My That's what I was, was trying to say. It's his normal. encountered normal. Yeah, tr- or you're whatever right. normal was. I didn't realize then I realized, well, my family is back crap crazy. We're <laughs> but this was normal. It was normal for me. So I had exactly. no concept of Well, the understanding of him having to know to choose one of the other. It's back-to-back verses that saying the same thing. He has to know. Yeah, that's that's to where that conscious comes other. in. He's consciously is aware of the fact that sometime in his late twenties, he's becoming aware that okay. I think by twelve he knew because he told Mary. He said, "Don't you know I must be about my father's business while he's in the temple?" Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's he was great. about his father's business. That doesn't mean you know. It, that doesn't necessarily he wasn't talking mean about that. Well, that's still that doesn't necessarily mean that he knew that he was God. That that, that he he may have just been knowing that he was about God's business and being God's son. That well, I mean, they were teaching the, their traditions and their there's, their heritage from such a young age. Right. I think I actually think Sarita and Holly are both right at the same exact time because he knew he was about his father's business. But imagine that it was, let's say he was talking about Joseph, which he wasn't, but let's say he was. If he was to be about his father's business, he would have to be trained in that business. He's not going to be the ultimate master carpenter at the age of 12. It's going to be 16 or 17 before he fully gets that craft. So if he's about his father's business and he's talking to the doctors in there and he's asking questions about the law and about the word, well, he is the word, right? So he is talking with human beings who are trying to understand who he is. So it's both. And like she said about, I didn't know what normal was. It's kind of like the same way that I was. You know, I've, I've been a certain way my whole life. After I met Holly, my whole life like changed. Like my, my views on my family, my views on life and like everything. I just, I like the way that she looked at life. And I thought, man, I've been looking at this really weird. You yeah. know, I like the way that she looks at it. I'm going to adopt that view. So I grew, I grew in that, right? Well, Jesus is going to do the same thing as he is interpreting his world and these people and all this stuff. He's going to be growing too. I think sometimes we turn him into Superman, and you know he's faster than a uh, you know a, a bullet train, and you know he can jump tall buildings in single bound. Like he, we think that he has all of that, but I think that he does. Well, according to the chosen, he couldn't catch, <laughs> <laughs> and that was Lazarus that was throwing the ball yeah. at him. All right, well let's get back to this, okay? Sorry, no, don't be sorry. So I'm going to skip down where it says now in this portion of Matthew. Oh, hold on, I got to read it. Uh, the Bible says something similar in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, verses 14 through 15, and uh, I'll read that real quick. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. 
Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he shall not, he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory." And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. So in this portion of Matthew, there's something unique going on here that we have to mention. There's a reason that the Pharisees want to destroy Jesus. In fact, it is what I consider the key to to the understanding of demonic forces, according to the Jewish teachers and rabbis of Jesus' time. So let's investigate this just a bit more. Uh, In Matthew 12, verse 9 through 16, Sarita, do you mind to read that? He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to that man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. So this debate with the Pharisees over what could or could not be done on their Sabbath day is the focal point. What the Pharisees believed was vastly different than what Jesus believed. So now that the debate has taken a turn and it looks like they're going to kill Jesus, he leaves. And so I have to point out that Jesus wasn't running scared. He this this is not like, well, Jesus was running away. The Bible makes it clear on several occasions that Jesus moved at specific times to avoid death because it was not yet his time to die, like you had said earlier, exactly. Ralph. So right after this debate with the Pharisees, Jesus leaves, but the crowd follows him. Right Then Matthew goes on to tell us what comes right in Jesus' path. So let's pick back up in Matthew verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 22. Rick, would you read that? Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Thank you. And I don't mean to correct you, but I wanted to say Beelzebul. It's important because it actually, I'm going to get into the phonetics of this later. So Jesus casts out another demon that caused a man to be blind and mute. And have you ever wondered why? Well, it says he was demon oppressed, not demon possessed. That's right. Demon oppressed. That's right. Unlike the other guy he healed in the synagogue who was Did possessed. I say that wrong? Yeah, you yeah. said possessed. But it is oppressed. But I think I Sorry. think there is a differentiation. There is. It because says difference. I believe as a Christian, and I have the Holy Spirit living in me, if there are such things as demons, those two spirits cannot dwell within the same body. That is a personal belief. That's what my church teaches. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can have the Holy Spirit and an evil spirit at the same time. That's a personal belief. So, but I believe that we can be oppressed and we can be controlled. Mm-hmm. or influenced, uh, if you will. So I think when you talk about demon oppressed and demon possessed. So oppression, I would think of it like this man was blind and uh, dumb. Is that right? Mute. Blind and mute. Mm-hmm. So he's blind and mute. 
that's an oppression of his physical nature. But you never hear the demon speaking out of him it's, or nope. speaking a from him. A possession is coming from within him, and an oppression is coming from without. So that would have been basically the cause and effect. The demon had been there, done the damage, left him that way, and wasn't there. Didn't leave him that, that way. He, he was still oppressed by that demon. Well, that would be the oppression. Oh, okay, of the so damage. you're saying that the demon could be gone at that point. Yes. I mean, it doesn't say. No, not at all. I mean, he heals the man, so I'm guessing that the demon is no longer able to oppress, right? So, all right. Jesus cast out another demon that caused the man to be blind and mute, right? So, have you ever wondered? <laughs> have you ever wondered why a demon would want to do that? Like, why would he want to make the host blind and mute? That, why would the devil want to go after Jonah? Maybe the oppression thing that you bring up is why. I never thought of it that way. Maybe he's oppressing that person and causing damage to them, but isn't necessarily hosting inside him. Well, we also don't being know hosted by him. the status of the person who he was. No. We don't know what position he may have held at some point or who he was that would need, that the devil would, or the demon would have seen that he needed to be oppressed for. Right. Yeah. Or how old he was when it happened. There's a lot of information there that's not we're not given. Right. I just have always been taught, well, not always because I haven't been a Christian my whole life, but I've been taught that they hated humans. And if they can cause pain to humans, it gets at the father who they hate worse. Yeah, the image bearers, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So if he can if they can oppress, possess, harm those precious creations of the creator, mm-hmm. it causes the father to be heartbroken over that. And so if they can cause whatever, because, I mean, that's he's they're causing this harm. It's yeah. harmful. The one guy is naked in a cave and yeah. hitting himself on rocks and scaring people and scaring himself. I mean, like, it's, it, it, none of these people are not harmed by it. There's physical harm mm-hmm. To most people who encounter a demon. Not to mention the, what's the word? The uh, mental language? When it affects other people around oh, them. There's yeah. a word. But anyway, what, the, the... Collateral damage? Collateral damage of this. So this person's hurting and then the rest of the family or the friends or whatever. Would that mean that Job was possessed in order for all the physical harm that he went through? I don't think so. Uh, but he was oppressed. He was Satan, definitely oppressed. Satan asks specifically, can I go down and afflict him? Yeah, he that's does. oppression. That that's would be oppression. the demonic oppression. Now, if you've ever read Frank Peretti, he goes into a whole different kind of thing. But you actually picture like demons like skewing people's minds mm-hmm. and like well, that's- making them foggy or making them maybe have a mental illness. It's not outside the realm if he could make them mute and deaf or yeah, mute and blind. I guess the question would be: Can the can the demons affect us from the outside, or did they have to be on the inside? Because in every part of a demon that was ever talked about, they were on the inside. Did they have to be? Well, that's in- what we were just dis- we were just discussing that. Like maybe oppression was from. We've never thought about it this way. Yes, perhaps it was from the outside. I mean, well, but Job in- could be demon oppressed if his sons were killed, right? And then he gets boils on him. If they could do it out from the outside, wouldn't there be more of a mass op- oppression? When yeah. they when they've done it a lot more, because that would have been, I guess, easy to do. If they could have done it all from the outside? I don't know. I, I mean, think- it's speculative at best for us on this one at this point with Job. Well, wouldn't Beelzebul versus Beelzebub, but Beelzebul being the lord of that dwelling or that that particular person it was inhabiting? 
versus Beelzebub, which I think is a distinction the you same, were making. They're the same person, technically, according... Well, let's let's actually get into that, because it says here that... Um, so the thing that I wanted to hone in on is what the Pharisees had said in regard to the source of Jesus' ability to cast out demons. And in their view, they truly believe that Jesus uses the power of the prince of demons, known by the name Beelzebul. So who's Beelzebul? And in a book, I bought this book. <laughs> it's called The Dictionary of Deities and Demons. And it is an exhaustive dictionary of every deity and demon known to the human race ever from every culture. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. Okay. And so here is the what scholars say. And by saying scholars, go look up that book and you'll see all the names of the scholars. I'm not going to name them all. So I'm, I'm, I'm quoting their work. Go to the Dictionary of Deities and Demons and then you'll see who they are. So the name Beelzebub occurs only four times in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, 3, 6, and 16. And in 2 Kings, an accident of Ahaziah, the king of Israel, and his consulting the oracle of the god Beelzebub of Ekron is described. So for etymolo etymological reasons, Beelzebub must be considered a Semitic god. He is taken over by the Philistine Ekronites and incorporate, incorporated into their local cult. And Zebub is the collective noun for flies, also attested in Ugaritic and Akkadian, post-biblical Hebrew, Jewish Aramaic, Syriac, and in other Semitic languages. And the name of the god was interpreted as Lord of the Flies. And it was assumed that he was a god who would cause or cure diseases and expressed the view that the flies related to Baal were seen as a symbol of the solar heat. They were sacred animals. In early Israel, flies were considered a source or nuisance, and that's, you can see in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 18. And some scholars have interpreted the name Baal's above as Baal, meaning statue, with the flies, or ornamented, analogous to the Mesopotamian Nintu with the flies. This can be compared with the fact that the Greeks called Zeus a healer, mainly concerning the driving away of flies with sacrifices. And the Greek Septuagint implies, by its rendering, Baal, which is Baal the fly. So, where we meet it in the New Testament versions, the wording Beelzebub, undoubtedly, a later correction, according to the canonical text of the Old Testament, is the original form of the name of the deity in 2 Kings 1 that I mentioned earlier. So, before the excavations of Rosh Shamra, this man Movers in 1841 and another guy named Gaillard in 1878 guessed that Beelzebul to be the name's original form. And they explained the notion, however, after its occurrence in the Old Testament which you can see in Deuteronomy 26, Isaiah 6, and uh, 15, uh, Isaiah 63, 15, and Psalm 68, 6. And it asserted that the name Beelzebub most likely was a contemptuous, un-euphonic Jewish modification of the true name, which was probably Beelzebul, or Lord of the High House. And that's something that Tiziana had talked to me about. And she had told me that it was Lord of the House or Lord of the High House. And also Lord of the Flies. So basically the Pharisees are saying that Jesus is calling on a well-known ancient deity of the Philistines. And they believed that the only way Jesus could have the authority to tell demons what to do is if he was calling on the Prince of Demons himself, the Lord of the High House and the Lord of the Flies. Does that give us a new uh, interpretation of William Golding's Lord of the Flies? <laughs> Possibly. I don't want to be piggy in that. I know that. So this is blasphemy of the highest order. 
Jesus actually warns them immediately that they were close to committing an unpardonable sin that wouldn't be forgiven them in any age, this age or in the age to come. And to say that the operation of the Holy Spirit was Beelzebul was the final straw. This is some scary stuff. Think about it. These people were saying, oh, you're, you're, you're calling on this prince of demons. They're saying that to the Holy Son of God. I mean, and he says, you can say that to me, but you cannot say that about the Holy Spirit. The minute you start saying what the Holy Spirit does is of the devil is a problem. And I know people that carelessly say crap like that all the time. And I hope that they really don't mean it because you don't say that kind of stuff. That's why I don't go around saying that's of the devil. I refuse to do it. I'm not going to say it because I don't know exactly what's going on. I can look at things and judge their fruits, but I'm not crazy enough to come out and say, that's of the devil. I'm just not going to do it. That's too too dangerous so for me. foosball is not of the devil? Not the devil. The foosball, not the, the devil. Foosball. That's a great movie. All right. So before we get into the other instances, I think we need to remember something back before Jesus began his ministry. And he would go on a solitary journey out in the desert. And the Bible clearly states that in Matthew 4, 1, Holly, would you read that? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the temptation of Christ by the devil is a significant moment. The question I have for all of you is this, and I asked a lot of people this week, why did the Spirit drive Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil in the first place? What's the purpose? Have you guys ever thought of that? Yes. Okay, let's hear it. It's for us. Okay. It says, the Bible says he was tempted in every way that we could be tempted so that he could sympathize with us. That's a biblical, exact, correct answer. So any temptation I have, be it sexual, alcoholic, drug-induced. Porn. I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> I was looking at Billy. Oh, that's candy corn. <laughs> candy, candy corn. Candy corn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a gluttony, overeat, I mean, all of these things he would have experienced mm-hmm. out there so that he could sympathize with our plight as humans. As yeah. God, he could not. I don't think he overate in the desert. No. no. No, He didn't eat at all. He was also probably hangry. Yes. Because <laughs> I believe Satan takes him up on the temple and says, hey, I'll give you some bread. Well, he says, if you'll turn these stones oh, into bread. Oh, turn the stones into bread, mm-hmm. yeah. Turn the stones. Like, you're talking to the bread. I mean, come on. Oh, that's right. He you is know, the bread. I like, yeah, I, I just... Well, that's what we were talking I about earlier. I take comfort in the fact that he spent time out there because if he can be hangry and thirsty and not sin as overfed and overwatered as I am, yeah, well, you. I can try to be less tempted than I am. Or the blue-collar scholar discussion about it? Yeah. Were you going to talk about that? No. Okay. Which part? The reason why he went out there? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Binding of the Strongman? Yes. Yeah. And we've actually talked about this here before. We've, you know, okay. if you want to see that, go to Robert Cruikshank's uh, talk from the Berean Bible Church Conference this past April about the Binding of the Strongman in the Gospels. He goes into that a little bit, uh, a lot of it, actually. Yeah, a lot. So, you know, I asked a lot of people this, and I got a lot of different answers. Some people would say, well, I don't know why, but I do know what I learned from it, which that's right. If you think about it, that's what you just said. It was for us, right? And some said, I've never questioned why. It just seems like Jesus needed to prove himself, that he could defeat the devil. I don't think that that's what that is. So that's the answers that I got. So let's flip, let's flip around here. 
Now let's look, let's move on. In Mark chapter five, this is this is gonna be the last one that we discussed today, okay? And this is a biggie. In Mark chapter five, verse one through twenty, we are introduced to an early missionary of the gospel. Have you ever thought of that? You are introduced to a missionary, an early missionary of the gospel to a place called Decapolis. And Decapolis was a federation of 10 cities located southeast of the Sea of Galilee in Palestine. And this missionary and the birth of his ministry to the Decapolis can also be found in all of the Synoptic Gospels. However, this account is not found in the Gospel of John. There are several things. Well, by the way, there isn't a single exorcism in the Gospel of John either. Okay? Now, there is a mention of demon. Um, He does mention a demon, but it's not directly speaking to demons. And so I always wondered why. And then, blame Lazarus. <laughs> that, is, that is so funny because I was thinking something just like that yeah. before you wrote that. <laughs> but anyway, so who is this missionary? Uh, do you mind to read that, Ralph? Who is this missionary? Uh, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Garances. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their reason. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged that he might be with him. And he did not bit, and he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. That is awesome. So that he became a missionary. But before that, he was a mess, right? And my, one of my favorite parts about that man, it says earlier that Jesus says, I must go to the other side. And that's when they get in the boat and they encounter the storm out in the sea. And he gets all the way to the other side and he meets this one man, helps this one man, and then gets back in the boat to leave. So he came for him. He came for him. So that to me, he'd obviously knew something. And why? Because this, I believe the Spirit's leading him these places, just like he led him into the desert. So maybe he doesn't nef- necessarily know everything, but the Spirit is giving him inclination and in where, in where to go. And at a certain point, he has the 
It switches on. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, I found it interesting that the demons didn't ask to not be cast out of him, but not to be cast out of the, the country. country. Yeah. And also, the number of swine were 2,000. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine, really, if you could be possessed by over 2,000 demons yeah. inside your one body? Yeah. Wait till you hear how what the what they think that the amount was, right? So, let's let's since we're talking specifically about demons, and let's wrap this episode up with this. So, more here's what we learned. More than one demon can inhabit a person. Jesus could have a conversation with demons, and in this case, demand answers from it, which causes the rise of the leader within to speak on their behalf. That's what I was going to say to you, Ralph. In this case, there is an order to demons, okay? One of them will speak, and the other ones do not. Right, right. That's what we said earlier. Yep. So, demons can call themselves a name, and even in a collective group of demons, they will attribute a title for themselves. In this case, it's legion. I've also heard they're very good at queuing. Oh, yeah? I don't know what that means. I'm kidding. Getting uh, together in a queue. Lining up. Lining, oh. Getting in line. <laughs> Lining up. Demons. How many demons can you fit on the head of a needle? All right. So, Smith's Bible Dictionary defines the word legion as such. The chief subdivision of the Roman army, containing about 6,000 infantry with a contingent of cavalry. The term does not occur in the Bible in its primary sense, but appears to have been adopted in order to express any large number with the accessory ideas of order and subordination. So, order and subordination. So, we now seem to understand that although the demons cause chaos and turmoil for the human they possess, they themselves operate in some type of order based on hierarchy within a group. Much like the Pharisees called Jesus, one who calls on the prince of demons, which implies the highest ranked demon. This demon who speaks from within the maniac of Gadara speaks for the group. So let's just say he's the speaker of the house. <laughs> so how many cavalry in a legion? Exactly. How many cavalry? Yeah, 300. Uh, 300 cavalry? In a, in a, re, in a legion. Really? Mm-hmm. We also learned that demons can inhabit animals, and in this case, swine. At first glance, though, it seems that the swine can't handle this possession. They go crazy, and they drown themselves. But I, th- I don't think that's what's happening here. I think the demons are carrying out a command of Jesus that caused the death of the swine. And I think uh, that may seem harsh, and I'm pretty sure that PETA had they been around in those days, would have sent some protesters down to cry out against such animal cruelty. So why did the pigs drown themselves? And so here's my answer, and you guys might have a different one. Jews aren't supposed to be eating pigs. They are an unclean animal. So if we know that Jesus had come to seek out the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then it certainly means that he was getting rid of unclean spirits as well as the unclean animals. Yeah, should they have been there? That's right. Absolutely not. The men who ran this farm with 2,000 pigs told Jesus to leave their country. Yeah. 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 They then they ran money. off into the right. cities to tell of what happened. And perhaps we could say they were a negative version of a missionary to those cities. As Jesus is getting back in the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, the man who had been possessed, naked, and insanely crazy had been bound, and had been bound by others and broke those chains, Right. And most likely had been bound by those pig farmers, I bet. I don't know what he's doing to those pigs. But now he was clothed and in his right mind and wanted to leave the boat conspiracy. with Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus told him no. Then he sent the man out as a missionary of the gospel 
to the Decapolis. So that was a lot. That was a lot. That pig farmer was super bummed about that. <laughs> Think about it. There was, I mean, you know how much people love bacon. It's a lot of bacon. So bacon. here's a fun story, real quick. Say goodbye, Ralph. We're closing out. Goodbye, Ralph. Goodbye, Ralph. <laughs> goodbye, Ralph. <laughs> He's leaving. I think. I think the pizza's been delivered. If I had I'm to, make I want to get the pizza. All right. Yeah. Ralph, thanks for being here, man. Yo, represent. Go get our pizza. Go on. You can go now. Okay. He got it in. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you said goodbye. <laughs> make sure it doesn't have sausage. Cast it. I'm going to look. Make sure. I'm going to go make sure there's not a cliff out there. That he's going to push me off. I'll, I'll, cl- I'll cast it Does out. Does he got pig on it? <laughs> yeah. So, um, did anybody else have anything they wanted to add before we close it out? I got a. I got a fun story. Let's hear it. Okay. So there is a man uh, that calls his, his calls himself Legion now. Okay. He his name is Richard Hernandez that lives in Texas. And due to how he has interpreted that Bible verse that we just read, he has he's felt the need to transform into a dragon. Really? Yes. He has surgically put horns. This is real. This okay. is not no joke. So he has he's had horns surgically placed on his head. He's had his ears cut off, his his tongue slit. And his nose cut oh, off. I and have seen this guy. Yes, yeah, yes. I think he's pretty famous. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty famous. So he's a dragon. And he's also been castrated because, I guess, dragons don't have wingers. So. <laughs> but, but I just I, I heard that. T- How do you this, make baby dragons? I, I don't know. That's a good. Plastic good, surgery. Yeah, so, yeah. Baby dragons. So, uh, so of all it, the people that you could pick in the Bible to want to be. That's a good story. Want to be like that one? <laughs> And the strange part, we might think he's crazy, but he might be of his right mind just fine. It's just how he's interpreting things, right? Look him up. I have. I've seen him. Oh, have you? Okay. I have, yeah. yeah. So. I do find it interesting that the Bible says he was clothed, sitting next to Jesus, and in his right, right mind. Yep. That is translated sane. Yes. He was sane, not insane. That's right. Yeah. And it... Yeah, so we focus so much on the demons. We haven't really given Jesus the props for what he was because every time that he does this, he's showing mercy and compassion to people. Oh, yeah. That's what he's doing. He's helping them with the things that are causing them suffering. And that's what he told him to go say to the people. Go tell them what Go I, tell them about the mercy that you were just given. Yeah. <sighs> I know, right? That's the, I mean. Mercy upon mercy, grace upon grace. Yeah. So even though we focused on the evil side of this and those demons, every time Jesus did it, Somebody came out better when than before, right? It's powerful. <laughs> I keep what, thinking Jerry? about how Jesus was like. <laughs> was he's like, I'm what? healed, and Jesus is like, Yeah, now go away. What were you thinking, yeah. Jerry? Oh. Is it the movie Hot Rod? I love that movie. Where the guy like comes out. The demons come yes. out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that is what popped in my head. And I was like, oh boy. Yeah, that was Rico like, by, played I, by Danny McBride. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, I still like hang over too. There's a demon inside of me. <laughs> no, that's semen. <laughs> and there is, wow, more candy. Awesome. Welcome you missed back. it. It's well, been, no, it's like, Billy, thanks so much for being here. Cherry, Thank you. Sarita, Andy, Bye. Ralph. Ralph is back, obviously, with some goodies. Rick. And, of course, my beautiful wife, Holly. Thanks for being here. See ya. See you guys next time. Actually, we'll talk to you guys again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace out. Later. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. 
Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Okay, cool. I thought I heard like a buzz. Cool. All right. Yeah. Are you buzzed? We no. got a buzz. Catch a buzz. Yeah, there's a little buzz, right? Not really. No, no. Not really. No. Okay. No Good. more than All usual. All right, cool. No more than usual. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always I was a buzzed device. one time in here. Were you? I really was. From drinking so, beer? No, 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 no. When Katie was <laughs> living with us, um, you know, they the girls vaped. Yeah. And uh, we tried to stop them. Well, one day I found one on her. I took it away. She goes, oh, the black one has the best flavor. You should try it. And I took a big hit on it. Now, I didn't inhale really very much because I was, sure, I don't like to inhale that, that stuff. Yeah. Bill. Hang on. It, it makes me so <laughs> slick. When I, when I vape, like which I've done like four times, I, I choke like crazy because I can't do that. So not very much of it came in, but it, she tricked me. It was a, it was one of those marijuana vapes. <laughs> oh, oh, we were so just talking about that. I, went, I took a big hit off of it and I started choking like I always do. So I, like I said, I didn't really get much of it in. But when I came here, <laughs> Which was about two hours later. I'm like, shit, I kind of still feel this a little bit. <laughs> and so I'm having to concentrate on what I'm saying and what other people are saying. I'm really concentrating, thinking, yeah. God, I'm speaking really slow or whatever. <laughs> it was crazy. you like, he was righteous, man. He was <laughs> righteous. <laughs> my, my name, isn't it on the license, man? <laughs> Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it, Andy, on TikTok where the guy, the cop comes to the window and he knocks on the, <laughs> on the window of the car and the guy looks up and he's like he's like what are you on man and he goes uh like cloud nine <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen that one I he's like you want to do a drug test he's like yeah dude like I'll test some drugs it was legit like <laughs> yeah. it's hilarious alright so we have we are rolling 